Um, I've been here only a few weeks, so I'm sure you all you know these guys much better than I do. Um, I do know that they are serving in Uganda at the moment, um, and that they're on leave for a few weeks. Um, and you head back to Uganda on the 3rd of January, is that yep, correct? That's right. Do you want to say, I know this, I've not asked you to do this, do you want to just say a couple of things about what you're doing um, and what you're doing when you're back here and what you're hoping to do when you go, go back in January? Yeah, I think we can jump in. We had something planned that will kind of flow with what uh, we're up to. And uh, Robin, as you know, has been working with malnourished children in the community. We've made that work much more community-based now to strengthen families. Because sometimes when you bring a vulnerable kid into a home, people think you're doing a better job and it divides the family. So strengthening the families in the community. And me, I'm still building the guest house. We've had some challenges this year. Um, a carpenter who, when we left in April, uh, we'd given timber that I'd had for three years to a carpenter to make doors. And he promised them in a month. I'm still waiting for them. It's nine months later. So um, you can imagine, life in Uganda, you have to be flexible, adaptable. And as Mackay, one of the first missionaries in 1887, said, you have to pack copious amounts of patience in your luggage when you go. So still using that. So we're going to sing a song now? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> we do have matching shirts on, sort of, but we're not a singing group at all. Um, <laughs> okay. So anyway, I wanted just to say thank you again for welcoming us back. As um, was said before, David was here about 33 years ago. Um, we're Luke, Luke, we can go with the first slide. Sorry. It's okay. We're newer additions. So no clicker. one thing that I love every time we come back is just to see lots of new, uh, familiar faces um, and just to catch up with people that we know and have, I have gotten to know over the years, the past couple of years. Um, but one thing that I wanted to see is if there are any new people here, just first-time guests today for, for the first time. I know it's a small group, so there may not be any. No? No first-time guests? Okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, David's going to be talking about defining moments this morning. And we actually, as a family, have had a very defining moment uh, back in July. We were asked by the church that we had been quite involved in, in Entebbe, to um, join the leadership team. Somebody also wants to talk. Yeah. She loves the flowers very much. <laughs> Thanks, Doreen. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Anyway, so we're now a part of a, a church which is called Worship Harvest Ministries in Tebe, and that's kind of why we've got these matching shirts on. Um, it's something that we're involved in there, and we have become part of the lead team uh, as far, as far, that is leading actually 2,000 people in Uganda every Sunday it's in seven locations. But David and I actually have now become the lead pastor team in, in Tebe, joining with some other uh, two other couples as well, but mostly headed by us, um, which does keep us busy, but still gives us time to do the other things that we're involved in. Um, we have recently moved from one bar to a new bar, which is a larger bar. <laughs> so we actually are very unconventional. The church to... meets in a bar. Yes, yes, we meet in a bar. So, uh, yeah, that's been a, a very interesting transition because it's um, a well-known bar in the area. So, yes. Anything right. else? Yes, we actually have grown from 60 to about 130 within that time, three-month period. So it's been, a, um, it's just been very exciting, very involving. Yes, and a defining moment, as he's going to share more about. <laughs> okay. So we, uh, 
As a church, Lick, you can go on. We're a go ahead if you want to do. We're a growing collection of connected families on mission together, and that's something that we say every week. We keep that focus before us. So we we say it together as a congregation, and we say to our guests, we want them to know a bit more about us. So we say that we are dedicated to resourcing people in worshiping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. This was Robin's bit, by the way. And we go on again, and then this. And we believe church begins on Monday, and Sunday is garage time. So, said we meet in a very similar thing to in our bar, but it's not. Um, a place to meet. But as Robin said, we've grown from about 60 to 130. Um, there's many bars in Uganda, many more in the sense than churches. People don't go far to take a drink. And one of the reasons we're there is because we do believe that church begins on Monday. Church is the body of Christ. And that's something of what I want to say today. Um, last week's sermon, I, I really think one of the things that Martin was putting across that we should rethink, think outside the box. Repentance is about rethinking, and that was the subject of last week's um, sermon. And it's something that I need to keep an eye on the clock, of course, yes. Um, something that uh, has really been on my heart this week, particularly thinking again. Christmas is a, a defining moment. It's definitely a moment that defined history. It's the BC AD. The definition in our world, the turning point, the change, it's a defining moment. And God was really saying at that time, think again. Not that the kingdom of God is far away, but it's at hand. It's very close. It's very near you. God had been in a box, and the shape of God was changing. The old, the law, the unattainable, the reaching up of man, the trying, the effort that we put in or was being put in to reaching God. Suddenly there was a change, a defining moment when suddenly God was out of the box, out of the temple and into spaces like bars. Eating with sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. Tax collectors were really mafia, mafia men. They worked for the Romans. They're occupying, uh, occupying force. There'd been silence for 400 years. God hadn't spoken, and now he's speaking very loudly and very clearly. This is really a defining moment. He'd been found in temples through religious observance, through effort of man, through complying with rules and regulations, and now suddenly, he's here. The scripture we read from Isaiah is really that announcement. It's in the lectionary um, readings. That was one of picked long ago for us to read today. And uh, it talks about the invasion of God. It talks about a time when people needed to hold on to hope because 
These words were coming way back. Now there's been a silence for 400 years. God hasn't spoken. But now he reveals himself loud and clear. But that scripture's saying, hang on, God will come. He will wipe away tears. He will open blind eyes. He will set the captive free. The the lame will leap. The deaf will hear. Now this moment is the moment that Jesus came. Christmas represents a defining moment in world history. B.C., A.D. How about you? How about me? What defines you? I think there's going to be many experts around you at Christmas. I need one of those prodding sticks. You know, in Norwegian churches, they have a really long stick with a hand on the end. It's to keep people awake. I need one for Luke. (laughs) There may be some experts on you around at Christmas. They give you messages like, you always, you know, those tense moments at Christmas where someone brings out their, you always. Or even, you never. Maybe they define you, you should. There's lots of shoulds, aren't there? Families get together and you talk about what you're doing, what you're up to, and they start saying, you should do this, you should do that. Hmm. I was thinking last week, one of the things that Martin said that really stood out to me was that John the Baptist didn't have donors. So he's a free agent. It's funny coming back because we realise we're not really free agents. Many of you have supported us with your generosity. And, you know, you kind of feel like you've got to be accountable and answerable. And that's right, and it's good. We're not free agents like John the Baptist. Thankfully, we're not eating locusts and honey and wearing hair shirts. Actually, it's funny having this on underneath because one of the things that defines us in Uganda is the heat. And the bar we meet in is incredibly hot. It's actually a sports bar and it's owned by an ex-Arsenal football player. Ray Hughes, for any of you who know the football players in the 60s, 70s, thereabouts. When we went there... And, you know, I wouldn't normally go to find a venue for us to meet as a church because I'm the wrong colour to negotiate. This means you've got money in Uganda. So I wouldn't normally go, but this day I was frustrated. We really needed to move because we were packed out in the bar we were in. We got to 150 at that point, and there was no more room. And the thing is, with having no more room, people don't bring people. You see these empty chairs in between you? They're invitations for you to bring someone. You've got plenty of potential. But we'd run out of potential, so we needed a new place. And as I walked in the bar and and said, you know, could we meet here as a church to the barman? He was like, ah, yeah. I mean, alcohol's a problem in Uganda. People don't tend to drink. The American missionaries did a very good... um, Uh, what would you call it, no-drink campaign. That stuck from their visits in the 50s and the 60s, and and people feel it's a real evil. So it was amazing to me when he directed me to the owner, and the owner's the same colour as me, and the owner starts saying, whoa, are you born again? Do you walk up and down and screen on the mics? And 
I said, well, we are born again, and we do make a noise, but we hope our noise is pleasant. We hope it's for the Lord. We hope it's glorifying to him. Uh, music is a big part of the culture of worship harvest. And uh, he said, well, yeah, okay. I said, well, how much are you going to give me? And I said, well, um, I'll let you decide. You have a think about it and get back to me. The next day I got a message with a very reasonable price. So reasonable, but it had no name on it. It just said, how about 200K? Is that all right? That's 200,000 shillings, about 40 pounds a week. But it didn't have his name on it. I'm thinking, who's, who's asking me for that money? And I couldn't believe it when he said, no, it's Ray. It was an amazing opportunity that we stepped into, but some of our people were a bit worried because this bar has a particular reputation, not just the alcohol, but prostitutes. It's their place. Well, it's not. It's actually ours. This defining moment at Christmas, this moment that God came down and said, your effort's over. The initiative's mine. The effort's mine. I'm bearing the weight of your guilt and your shame. That's a message that we need to share with those who are very lost. It's not the sick, it's not the well that need a doctor, it's the sick. So it's been a challenge in our people. So we're up at 150, now we're kind of down to 130, but we've doubled, more than doubled. P&Js, 33 years ago I came here. The church we're part of was founded um, 10 years ago. By year six, it had grown from the 20 people that started it to 1,000 people. Six years, we hit the 1,000 mark. In the next three years, 2,000. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go to Africa and make disciples. He did to us. But he said, go to Walderslade. Go make disciples. You don't have to rent a church building, but you could. Maybe you should rent a bar. God redefined things. Remember the Holy of Holies? You had to have a rope tied around your leg to go in there, just in case you'd done something wrong and you could be pulled out when you were dead. Save it stinking. God changed things. He came and drank and ate with tax collectors and sinners. And our reading from Luke 7.37. Let's, of course, we haven't done this. There may be some experts on you at Christmas who keep saying you should. Maybe you've changed jobs. Hey, but you shouldn't have. That can define you. I think Christmas is a really tough time. Coming home is a tough time. Jesus was defined by his, families, by his family and by the people around him. Can any good come from this town? You know? It's challenging. But that's where the gospel really works out in us. It becomes real in us. So how do others define you? How do you define yourself how does God see you? We read from Luke 7.37 that story of the woman of the city. 
I think we know what that means. Now, this woman of the city, I want to give you a different idea. Maybe in your mind, she's very obviously a prostitute. But for me, I think there's a possibility and the suggestions about the thing she was carrying was very valuable. I think this woman was a wealthy woman. Maybe wealthy in employment that your relatives would certainly say, you shouldn't. If she went home at Christmas, I'm sure she'd have got the wagging finger from some Pharisees and tax collectors. They were present that evening. You know, these dinners, these occasions, were occasions where a rich person would invite a star guest and Jesus would draw a crowd. I mean, he was well known at that time. And Simon the Pharisee had invited Jesus to come. Jesus was sure to draw a crowd. People would answer the invites. They'd come along. Lots of religious people, Pharisees. These were the mm, the top-notch society people. But the way these banquets worked was the doors would be open and uninvited guests could come. They'd line round in the darkness. They'd line round the walls. Um, yeah, why not? Uh, they'd recline. The invited guests would be reclining. That's why she went to Jesus' feet. And the first thing he'd have noticed would have been her tears. Because although she went with an intention to pour something precious on him in worship, that very act welled up from within her and she poured tears on his feet. And the warmth of those tears would have been felt. The room was dark. People had come in around the edges of the room and were standing against the wall, listening to the conversation. And you can imagine some of the conversation. Remember those clever questions that the Pharisees used to ask. For sure, Simon was brave. As a Pharisee, he'd invited someone who talked a lot about Pharisees and hated them. But there was this woman, and she... I was just thinking about this, the, the choices of songs this morning. It's exactly this. We're here to worship. We're here to bow down. What did it cost? It cost her her livelihood. Because she had heard who Jesus was. She'd seen who he was. She'd seen his looks. And she knew she was a welcome guest though uninvited by the Pharisees. And she broke this vessel, this alabaster. Actually, it's described in different ways, and I always had a picture that it was a, a, a kind of, you know, a, a jug. But actually, if we redefine it, there was also something a woman wore, and it was an alabaster vessel as jewel and it had a very 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 narrow neck with no lid the perfume inside would have seeped very slowly out of that vessel and it would have defined her as a rich beautiful woman that was her trade that was her asset that's what she used her womanhood that was her power 
and she broke the neck. It's now useless. Can you imagine carved from stone, a small, delicate vessel with a very thin neck, hollowed out and filled with an expensive perfume? She took it and she broke it and she poured it on Jesus' feet. This was a defining moment for her. There's a similar story about a woman who washes. She actually wiped Jesus' hair, Jesus' feet with her hair. Unwashed feet. Simon had provided no water to wash her feet. Can you imagine what he collected during the day? That was a hospitable thing to do. That's what you did when someone arrived. There was none of this, um, you know, oh, don't take your shoes, shoes off, it's right. Or, or do, we've just got new carpets. No, their feet were in sandals, they were bare. And it was a natural thing for a host to do, to wash or provide someone to wash the feet. This woman wiped them with her hair. And there's another place where... When Mary performs an act like this and washes Jesus' feet, Jesus said, she's done this for my burial. And I want to put this to you. This is a symbol of Jesus to us because he was broken and crushed like that alabaster jar and poured out that his fragrance would pervade the atmosphere. That night, it was unavoidable. The conversation would have hushed because... It was dark around the edges. Jesus, this woman was in this intimate act of worshipping, bowing down at Jesus' feet. He would have known it, but the first thing that would have struck everyone else was the fragrance, the perfume pervading the room. We are the fragrance of Christ, the aroma, says in 2 Corinthians 2.14. And... It's unavoidable. This defining moment in history, this AD to BC, the world has been affected by it. Doesn't like it. You can't take Christ out of Christmas. You can't take Christmas out of the world. It happened. It came close to us. It was at hand. But is it at heart? Simon heard the message that the kingdom of God was at hand. And he asked clever questions. But this woman took the message to heart. She broke the tool of her trade. She wasn't asking questions about the future, what will happen, what's ahead for me. She just poured upon Jesus the most precious thing she had and became totally powerless There's only one expert that defines the real you. And our reading in Isaiah 35 said, he will come and save you. And Jesus is this rescue plan of God for you. And for this prostitute. And for the prostitutes are the Red Rooster in Entebbe. That's the name of our bar. That's where we meet. So what's God's verdict on you? Colossians 1.21 Once you were alienated from God 
and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by your good behavior. Your bad behavior caused you to be alienated from God. But no, not your good behavior. Christ's physical body through death, by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Your shame, your guilt doesn't have to define you. You don't have to live under the words of other people, even at the Christmas table when you spill the gravy or you do something. You always do that. You know, maybe that's flippant, but I tell you what, it's, I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's those moments that are like arrows that challenge who you are. And then kind of dismantle you. How can I be a church leader in Uganda? How can I do that? This is how, because God has made us holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the defining moment. How has it defined us? Now, for us, church begins on Monday. This is Christ's body. This is the aroma of Christ. Sunday's important. Meeting in a bar, that's weird. But it's what happens between those other hours. And and I suddenly realized that this sea bomb, we call it, church begins on Monday, can represent something else. Christ becomes our mission. What would the world look like if we allowed God to define us? The you that he has in mind is for the world that he has in mind. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth. Pip and Jim's Dare I say, your identity is not the Church of England. It's not. It's not this building. It's not the fact that there's no prostitutes here. It's not. Where are the limits on you? They're in the way people define you, and even maybe you define yourself. Maybe they're even in the way you pray. Because you're surrounded by problems, you pray the problems instead of look at the problem solver. And if you go round in circles, if I go round in circles, we won't make disciples because how attractive are we running round in circles? I tell you what, we are the aroma of Christ. What he's done for us is so amazing. What did it cost him? What did it cost him? We'll never know how much it cost. But wow, to bow and worship the one who declares us holy in his sight, free from blemish. This is a defining moment in the history of this world. It's a defining moment for each one of us. And truly, 2617 can look very different for all of us Empty seats are an opportunity to welcome in those people who can be defined by the message of God instead of the message of this world. Let's think outside the box. Let's let God be God and make disciples.